Hi, are you a gifted or twice exceptional adult who feels a bit stuck in your journey? Do you have goals and dreams which you would love to achieve, but you don't know where to start or feel a little bit overwhelmed? Or maybe you have a thousand ideas, 500 projects, and get distracted by your own thoughts and would love some support on focus and accountability? Whatever gets you stuck, I wholeheartedly believe that gifted and twice exceptional specific coaching will help you unleash your power so that you can be your most authentic gifted self. I recently embarked on my journey on becoming a gifted and twice exceptional coach. So if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, please reach out via email at hello at giftedunleashed.com or you can find more information about my coaching offers on the website giftedunleashed.com forward slash coaching. I would love working with you and I would love to get you unstuck. So please reach out and let's get started. Hello and welcome to Unleash Monday, where we talk about the brain, especially the gifted brain, and how does it affect our thinking and experience of the world differently. There are a lot of stereotypes and stigma around giftedness, and I'm here to challenge those. I'm here to raise awareness and to have a conversation around this topic of what does it mean to be a gifted adult. Common experience among gifted folks is that they feel out of place. They don't quite fit in. They are too sensitive, too intense, too emotional, too overexcitable, and too deep thinkers about the world and about themselves. So if you have been called too much of about anything, then this show is for you. My name is Nadia. I'm too loud, too colorful, too bubbly, too bossy, and I love to talk too much. So welcome to my world, and I'm so happy you are here. Hi, and happy Monday. I'm so excited you are here. I hope you had a wonderful weekend, and I can tell you why this week is an amazing week, because this week is the annual SANG conference. And today on the podcast, very on topic, we have Carrie Pokraevki. She's the finance chair and board member of SANG. And what you can expect of the conference and what SANG is, she's going to tell us a little bit more in this episode today. So she has an incredible story. She's going to share how she got into the field of giftedness and how she got involved with Sang, which is kind of a funny story, but I'm not going to give you any spoilers. So the Sang conference starts this Thursday with a pre-conference day, and then it's three days online, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And if you're listening to this after the fact, don't worry, Carrie mentioned that you might also be able to get some of the recordings after the fact. But obviously being there live will be even more amazing and you get to connect with people online, I assume. So I'm super excited. And if you're interested, sanggifted.org is the website. You can register there. As a Sang member, you even get a discount for the conference. Hint, hint. And You can also sign up for the newsletter. It's a real amazing resource, anything gifted. And I will put all the links that Carrie is mentioning in the show notes. So throughout the year, you can also expect some real great resources from Sang. So even if you miss the annual conference, there's a lot going on. Just sign up for the newsletter, check out their website. 
So let's just dive right into this episode because Carrie has a lot to say and I really enjoyed this conversation. We had a blast. We laughed a lot. So this is how it sounds when two extroverted, multipotential, gifted people have a conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Carrie. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. Yay, I'm excited to be here. So I learned from Tracy that you have a very interesting story. And Tracy Winter was a guest a couple of episodes ago. And yeah, she mentioned your name. And that's how I reached out. And I just heard that you also only learned about your own giftedness recently. Yes. Do you want to share a little bit about how you discovered <laughs> part of the gifted adults demographic? Yes. I lived in Seattle at the time. A guy I knew that I actually had met on Match when I lived in Mississippi. That's why this is so funny. He contacted me about helping him with a company he was thinking about forming. And part of that included going to the Gottman Seven Principles Workshop. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No. They have a Seven Principles of a Healthy Marriage. So we went to the workshop together and I'm a trainer. I'm trained to be a leader for their seven principles workshop. Well, I was digging around Googling Gottman's in Seattle because I thought to myself, oh, this would be kind of fun if I offered this workshop for people here in Seattle. And somehow, I have no idea how, an article came up and it was talking about giftedness and I clicked on it just out of how, like I was just going through all the links for the Gottman stuff. And I clicked it and I started reading about it. I said, this is weird. This sounds like me, but I, I thought <laughs> I thought I was stupid. So this just doesn't make sense. And I just, I closed it out. I went back to looking for stuff for the Gottmans, but then I came back to it. I said, let me just Google this, this giftedness thing. This doesn't make sense. So I did. I started down the rabbit hole. It, it, it's kind of fascinating because most of us suffer from imposter syndrome so badly. We just, I mean, I shouldn't say we, but I just had a hard time accepting it or even just being open to the idea. So <laughs> I think it was like 2 a.m. I found a therapist here in Seattle and I emailed her and <laughs> I said, hey, I found this article it kind of sounds like me, but that doesn't make sense because I think I'm stupid. So I went in to see her and in her truth therapist way, she says, well, what do you hope to accomplish today? I said, can you just wave a wand and tell me if I'm gifted or not? And she just laughed. <laughs> she said, I could tell from your email that you're gifted. So what are you talking about? <laughs> she said, just everything you said and the way you said it. And uh, yeah, then I laughed and I said, oh, great. Here's another piece of the puzzle. So you immediately accepted her because she was a professional in the field? Oh, that's a good question. Probably not. It, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I mean, I still do research. I feel like most of us do. Yeah, I, I'm just asking because that's a good question. We, all, we all have like a similar story, right? And especially yes. if you find out as an adult, and it sounds like you've never been in a gifted program in school. And and so it's like, well, this cannot be. And even if somebody says, then you're like, well, but I need an IQ test, no? 
Was that something you you wanted to do? I thought about it, but at the same time, I started thinking, does it really matter? Mm, exactly. So in my school, it, I grew up in a small town, Mississippi, and it was a Catholic school. We did have advanced classes. Mm-hmm. So I was in the advanced classes. And okay. what was kind of fun is I only graduated with 49 people, but most of my core friend group, we were all smart or we're still all smart. So we had fun because we got to do the advanced classes together. So we did pre-cal instead of maybe trig. And I think we got to do physics instead of something else. So when it came to math and science, we got to do harder classes. But other than that, yes. And I was in, now that I think about it, I was in the honors college in college. But I did not last long because <laughs> I liked, you know, I like to have fun and college was boring. <laughs> what did you study in college? Tell I started off in marine biology because I wanted to meet a marine biologist. Oh, so that's something we have in common. I always wanted to be a marine biologist. <laughs> I had a marine biologist on my podcast very oh, early on. Yeah, that's cool. And I just studied animal and plant science then because okay. I don't live by the ocean you know we're <laughs> landlocked in Switzerland. I didn't want to leave the country at the time but yeah I, sorry go on <laughs> I ended up in banking and finance and got a minor in speech communication so oh that's close to marine biology <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> finance just seemed fun and everyone else thought it was hard, and I didn't think it was that hard. So I said, well, there must be something to this. So I ended up in finance. I also took some accounting classes. Okay. I had to do some extracurricular in mm-hmm. the biology, and I took. I thought, okay, I already know a little bit of accounting. That's, like, easy. Yeah. <laughs> so Because it's always the same. It's like, I don't know. Can I say that? It's, yeah. it's always, like, you learn it once, and that's how it's done. Yes, Yes. Well, and I personally think that anyone that wants to open their own business, even if they're an artist, I think it's really beneficial to have basic business skills, Mm -hmm. especially accounting. Because if you get to a point where you're big enough and you have someone else doing your books, that's where fraud can happen. But that's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds like me or a multi-potentialized. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, and then that, there's that too. <laughs> so let, let's circle back to when you found out how how long ago was this when you contacted this psychologist? And yeah. probably four years ago. So what what did you do then? Like you said, you went down the rabbit hole. What tell us a little bit about your story? The emotional, the research. Like, did something change for you? The emotions, I will say this. I do feel like the gifted population, we have this tendency to want to fit in. And I felt like finding out I was gifted just from a statistical standpoint put me further out of the normal population. I don't know if that's the correct word. So that's kind of depressing. It just feels more alienating, I guess. So, yeah, there's some, there's a struggle to accept from just that standpoint. But it really from like putting the gifted lens on in my professional life has helped me. And then in my personal life, too. Also, just even just like drum lessons, understanding that 
I have these perfectionist tendencies and things tend to come to us easier than most. Sitting down at a drum kit and not being able to master it in a year is <laughs> kind of a, it's, you know, it just takes some adjusting when there's something that's truly hard because we're just not used to that being super challenging. Has anything changed for me? I think, and this is something that I talked to with my current therapist, just accepting it and not hiding it. I went to the Sang Mini Conference here in Seattle, and it was the first time that I let someone tag me in a photo that had anything to do with being gifted. Other than that, and being on the Sang board, I, I told myself, I can't not talk about it anymore. I can't hide it, so... So first, when you found out, it's something you kept to yourself. Oh, yes. <clears throat> <laughs> because you didn't want to stand out? or you... I'm asking this question because I know like my listeners and other people have, like we all have, I think, similar emotions and thoughts. Yes. But I just want to get it out in the open to say like, we all feel the same. Like, yes, there's no shame to it. And you're not alone. And having these feelings and actually doubting it, you know, that first time somebody says you might be gifted, be like, but I wasn't the advanced classes. But now in the workspace, I feel a little bit stupid. Yeah, me personally, I feel like it's I think it comes back to the word gifted. And it has this connotation that things are easy for us. But things are not easy, and it's not always a gift. There are definitely struggles. I think sometimes people have this expectation of the gifted population, and those are really high expectations. We're considered high potentials, right? And I don't, <laughs> I don't always feel like a high potential. Of course, I feel like I also try to apply that potentiality across the spectrum to many different things. My degrees in finance, why do I think I will be an expert in drums or having discussions about giftedness? You know, I think that's where it comes from. And I do wish there was a different word. However, I think it's important for us to just roll with the word. I know there are people that want to change it. But the value in labeling it is that we know where the rabbit hole is, right? If you told me that I was, I don't know, blue, if you changed the word gifted to blue and I went looking for blue content, I'd never find out about giftedness because I'd be in the wrong rabbit hole. So I think that's, as a population, I think it's important for us to embrace it. Of course, I'm probably preaching to the choir and I should be talking to myself. It's so funny. I hear people say that from a lot of the guests. And funnily enough, they also speak different languages. And this notion, like nobody likes the word in any language. It's oh. not embraced in German, in Dutch, in French, in Norwegian. <laughs> like nobody likes the word. And as you said, like high potential, that's I think exactly translation in French and also in oh. German. I think it's also kind of in this direction. Nobody likes the word. So it's not, it's not the word giftedness. That's the issue. I think it's really yeah. the prejudice that comes with it mm -hmm. in all the languages. <laughs> that's, I never thought about that. Yeah. In different languages. That makes me feel even better that 
people that speak other languages don't even like the translation. Not just the translation, even in their own... In their own language, yeah. All languages, yeah. They struggle to accepting the word. Nobody embraces it in any language. Yeah. <laughs> and I get it because people's expectations are, whether or not we like it, people's expectations of us are subconsciously or consciously put on us. Mm. And that's a lot. I think it may be also a little bit that this misconception or this misinformation or this like, I never thought, yeah, I, I would be gifted because that's like, you know, when you read the newspapers, it's these like, you know, <laughs> just recently there was an article about this. I think he was in Austria, this little boy, he's 11. He just graduated from university and got a bachelor degree and like, you know, the next genius. And it's like, okay, yeah. like this is the stereotype in the yes. society. And then you go and tell your friends or your family, oh, hey, I'm gifted. And they're like, yeah, sure. Yes. You weren't that right in school or in math. Like, who do you think you are? Um, you didn't graduate college at 11. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're not in this famous symphony. <laughs> yeah. So what was it that really triggered when you said, you Googled and you could relate. Do you have like a few things that you could say like, oh, this is exactly where I think, oh, that's my giftedness? Dabrowski's overexcitabilities. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to explain to people that I, I like really soft sheets and towels. Also, I never I can never understand people that lay their clothes out the night before. How do you do that? Because when I pick out what I want to wear, it's going to depend how I want to feel that day or how I am feeling. And then you get into tags and, oh, there's <laughs> light sensitivities. I sit here with the lights off. So the overexcitabilities, oh, and the psychomotor overexcitabilities, holy cow. I remember sitting in a staff meeting once, and I was the only one that shifted in my chair. And I thought to myself, how, how do they sit there and not move? Like, it's fascinating. I would have to say that the intellectual overexcitability resonated with me the most. I genuinely thought that my intrinsic constant desire to learn was maybe something after my divorce but it does not let up <laughs> which understanding I was gifted it made more sense and then I could feel better about it oh well this is just how it is and this is how it's going to be and I like it now that I understand it where it's coming from but the intellectual overexcitability geez just gobbling up information Oh, yeah. An information hoarder. That's yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it sounds like you could finally get some answers to things that you experience in life. And you kind of like pointed it to your own personality or your own mm -hmm. flaws that suddenly made sense. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, it's not me. It's my giftedness. Yes. It just that always reading that always learning. I kind of envy people that at the end of the day, they just go home and relax. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I'm on Audible speeding up books 
to try to get through them quicker. YouTube, you can speed up YouTube videos. I also, <laughs> this, I hope my parents don't hear this. When I was a kid, I had a nightlight by my bedside and I used to read by it. So I learned how to speed read because I wanted to read so my parents didn't catch me reading. So I learned to speed read so I could get through books before I got caught. Because, you know, re- reading by your teeny tiny nightlight, Carrie, is bad for your eyes. So I learned to speed read, I guess, to some degree. So, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> and being in a global pandemic, wow, I absorbed so much information. I don't know that I retained any of it, but. Yeah, and I don't know how was it for you this whole, I don't know, one and a half years of pandemic I felt like people that said, oh, I'm bored at home. I'm like, how can you have the internet? How can you? I don't. I've never understood being bored. I wish I did, but there's just so many cool things out there to learn about. I don't know. The pandemic as an extrovert who lives by herself was very interesting. I will say, though, it gave me a chance to find a lot of online gifted communities. So that was nice. And yeah, it's a lot of reflection time. You mentioned in the very beginning that you always, like a lot of us, wanted to fit in, but somehow couldn't. And then being gifted and then the percentage is again, (laughs) like you're a loud liar. But I guess now that you know what to look for, in community and friendship, I think it also opened up a whole lot of possibilities. Yes. And then you start understanding the most of your friends are also gifted. So actually kind of how I found myself getting more involved was I understood that there are people like me that I'm not in the mental health field. I'm not an educator. I'm not a parent. How are we reaching people like me to tell them they're gifted? I led quite a few of my friends to the gifted rabbit hole, and they were so appreciative. So back in January 2020 is when I put in a proposal to speak at the same conference last year. I never thought it would get accepted, but it really was about what to do if we spotted another gifted adult and how to bring them in to the community. How do you do that? Very carefully. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Because that's exactly what I'm doing here with my podcast. So I admit when I first started introducing my friends to the gifted rabbit hole, I did not do it very well. One of my friends said I... (laughs) I fire hosed him with information, which I admit uh, I that's totally true. So after that, I started. Hey, you should check out these Dabrowski overexcitabilities. Does any of this resonate with you? And that's how I have gently introduced it to other people. I feel like that's a good comprehensive way because there are so many overexcitabilities. So that's one way, is just lightly suggesting that they look at it. Also, being a single person in the dating world, 
matching with people and you understand very quickly that there's a high chance that they're gifted. So now I can actually say, oh, well, I'm on this. And I don't, I don't even mention it to them, like about them possibly being gifted. I'll just say, oh, I'm on this board or this is what I'm working on right now. I have this meeting <laughs> and <laughs> Intense. If, if they're so inclined, then they can kind of go down the rabbit hole. I could also imagine being in a dating world and you <laughs> you find people online that you clearly can see they're gifted, but they haven't figured out yet. It's also like, that's a whole, like they bring the whole thing to the relationship, right? It's more, are you then more like dating or is it more like a therapy <laughs> session? I try not, I try not to let it be a therapy session. Well, then it's funny too. Some people that have kids that are gifted. I have this one friend, they have three kids and they're like, the girls are in gifted ed. And so I mentioned something to her. Oh, when I was fundraising for saying, I said, yeah, this is what I'm fundraising for my birthday for kind of, Hey, (laughs) I'm going to guess that the girls aren't the only three gifted people under your roof because you know, I mean, I didn't say you and your husband, I'm fairly certain, are pretty darn gifted. But it's just so funny to watch people's reaction. But I also get it. It's not an easy pill to swallow. No. And I think you have to hear it also multiple times, I think. So my friend, yes. she she found out she was gifted. And then she went and read the books and, uh-huh. you know, could relate. And then she's like, but Nadia, you also one of them. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. But like, you know, like didn't really take <laughs> her seriously. And only once we had this like mock interview for the podcast that I kind of like tried to interview her and like dig deeper a little bit. So what was it that you could relate that I somehow you know, could relate more, but it's also like myself, it wasn't the first time that I took her word for it and was like, oh yeah, sure. (laughs) So I can see where it's coming from. And I also have it as you, I'm an extrovert. I have a lot Uh of gifted friends. Mm -hmm. I try to push them and I think I'm pushing them hard, (laughs) push them to listen to the podcast. (laughs) So that's why I'm saying like, okay, look, it's not just me saying it. It's also my friend, like Carrie. Yeah. (laughs) Well, then it's been fascinating for me too to start building relationships with people that are professionally in the gifted world. And maybe they've done a PhD or a master's degree. And these people are talking about their mentors in college, in the gifted ed program, that they don't even acknowledge that they're gifted. Exactly. And you're like, wait a second. You're teaching gifted ed. You're clearly gifted. And you don't see it in yourself? That's so funny to me. Yeah. So if you're listening and if you're doubting it, chances are you're in the right space here. (laughs) Right? And not only is it that I doubt it myself and you've doubted yourself, but the people that know the most about it doubt it about themselves as well (laughs) to me that just cracks me up I'm like wait they don't know that they're gifted how do they not know so once you found out about your giftedness and you said like you didn't accept it immediately but still did the research 
what were your next steps? Did anything change for you professionally? And maybe you want to share how you got into saying later on? Oh, yeah. So I'd say first personally, I find a therapist that understands our brain to be much more helpful. If there is any way any of your listeners could find therapists that understand our brain or are gifted themselves, for me, it saved me a ton of time just translating. <laughs> I don't really know how else to, to say it, but my current therapist, she doesn't advertise that she's for the gifted population. She's really about trauma. However, she's gifted and she knows all about giftedness. Not having to have... Not having to explain myself has been really beneficial. Also, there's someone that gets me and understands me, so there's not the doubt. She just gets me. So if possible, I would definitely say find a therapist that gets our brain. Professionally, it's helped me, I feel like, be a better leader, because I am a leader, understanding that my brain just processes differently than other people's brains. And that's okay, <laughs> you know? How did learning about your giftedness make you a better leader? I think learning about it's helped me honestly be more patient. I volunteer a lot. And then in my current job, I'm also a leader. Just understanding that our brains are different and process differently. We also might see lots of connections where other people don't. So when we come to a conclusion, I kind of joke sometimes that I feel like my brain is a throw pillow on a couch. And it's just over there. It's just cranking through tons of information. I can't honestly tell you how I always arrive at a conclusion, but I do. <laughs> And then, you know, sharing that conclusion with other people and just knowing that they probably won't come to the same conclusion. And that's okay. I mean, obviously it's okay. That's their brain. Also, understanding how I make decisions. Decision psychology is a whole other Pandora's box. But even just understanding that, whereas I see tons of options when making a decision, other people may not. So just asking for some time to process because there's just different levels of information to process. And then also by me asking just for time, I'm also being an example to people to know to ask for what they need. So I, I do feel like that's helped me be a better leader. Yeah, that makes total sense. And also for me, I think personally, was, although I'm not a leader, but I think just knowing about the whole concept of neurodiversity. Yes, yes. Like it's not just, okay, giftedness versus neurotypical, but also mm -hmm. there's people with ADHD, dyslexia, mm -hmm. dyscalculia, you know, you name it. <laughs> right. And, and just being aware. And so now mm -hmm. I'm more of an advocate for generally neurodiversity in the workplace. And I think that resonates also a little bit more than saying, oh, I advocate for the gifted. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and if you think about something that's been really prevalent in the U.S. and super important, 
and super late, but just working on more of an, an inclusive work environment. And even something as simple as, I don't know, this always pops up for me, but sending things in different color fonts. I'm like, well, wait, <laughs> what about the colorblind people? Like their brains don't see the different colors, but just, yes, I agree with you. I think it's helped me appreciate the differences in brains because this is not how I'm professionally trained and then being more empathetic that not everyone processes like us and you know there's a whole spectrum on there so I want to use this opportunity a little bit to also ask you about saying because you mentioned <laughs> you're part of the saying board for the list so we haven't had anybody from saying officially oh, cool on the show. So can you say a little bit like, what is saying? What does it stand for? Yeah. And then like, how did you get? <laughs> you said it's a funny story. So I would like to hear It's that. a funny story. Okay. So I am the finance officer for SANG and SANG stands for supporting emotional needs of the gifted. So SANG was started back in 1981 and actually it started a gifted student committed suicide. And Dr. James Webb started realizing that there weren't many resources for the gifted population, especially when it comes to the emotional and social needs of the gifted. We do have different needs. I'm not saying more or less, but we have different needs than the general population. So that's how saying started. And there are... Lots of really good resources, in my opinion, especially for parents. We have seminars, they're webinars that talk about different topics. There are also parent groups. So I'm actually a trained SMPG facilitator. So there are parent groups in different parts of the country where parents of gifted kids come together and there's a facilitator and kind of walks them through various topics over a six to eight week period. Then we have our conference, which actually our conference is coming up in a few weeks. It's three days plus a pre-conference workshop, but it talks about so many different topics, especially for parents and educators, but just how important it is for us to address those social and emotional needs and better understanding the, honestly, the neurology of it. So <laughs> this is how I got on the same board. <laughs> I was giving my presentation on what to do when you spot a gifted adult in the wild at the 2020 annual conference. And at the end is the question and answer session. And Paula Prober says to me, <laughs> while I'm on video, hey, Carrie, have you thought about being on the same board? I just stopped. I was like, oh, this is fun. Thanks, Paula. <laughs> So actually, they had a call out for volunteers at the end of 2020. So I applied because I do feel very strongly that we have a gap in helping reach the gifted adults that just don't know it, right? So I applied and I was selected. I will say <laughs> I still definitely do want to help the gifted adults. But going through the SMPG training, I was the only non-parent. And seeing the struggles that the parents have and then really starting thinking about our underserved communities, I actually went through additional SMPG training so I could be a co-facilitator 
in some of our underserved communities because we can do them online now. So that's how I ended up on the board. Well, thank you, Paula Prover. <laughs> Thanks, Paula Prover. <laughs> for getting Carrie on the board. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun just doing the training and helping out. And it's there's some incredible people out there doing some incredible work. They're very talented. So it, it gives me hope for our population. I, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> but, like, yeah, so just to mention for the listener, the SEN conference is coming up on the yes. 22nd of July is the pre-conference and then 23rd, 4th and 5th, I think is the main conference. So Yes, it begins on, the main conference begins on July 23rd. And the pre-conference is July 22nd. And actually, I am helping give one of the pre-conference workshops. We're going to talk about the vagus nerve. The what nerve? The vagus nerve. Okay. So you want to share a teaser or people that want to know more should go get into the (laughs) pre-conference? So it's actually super fascinating. The vagus nerve is the largest nerve. There's a whole polyvagal theory as well. So we're going to briefly talk about that. But the main focus of our talk is about flare-ups and how to recognize the root cause of what's really going on. Maybe if they're having a flare-up when it comes to their vagus nerve. Because there are physiological changes and symptoms that occur as a result of just the negative stimulus to the body Hmm. and that's conveyed through the vagus nerve and then we're also going to talk about resources as well to help it's yeah my degree is in finance this is not my real job so this is so much fun that I get to learn about it yeah same here right (laughs) yeah I honestly had no idea how much the vagus nerve controls so it's pretty fascinating so I'm looking forward to that I already signed up (laughs) I became yeah. a SANG member. and it's yeah. like, <laughs> So I'm looking forward to this because it has been highly recommended to me uh, okay. from various uh, guests on my podcast. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. So where can people find you in the online space? And then we list everything on the show notes so people can just click. I'm definitely on LinkedIn. I am trying to work on generating more content for the gifted population. I recently wrote an article about my intellectual overexcitability creature at work. So I've actually thought about doing all the overexcitabilities at work, just doing an article on each of them. So that's one thing on LinkedIn, you'll find me. I also do photography. So for photography, that would be Instagram. Another thing that I have is I started a website for Me Too survivors. It's a way for them to share their stories anonymously, and then I post them. I don't edit for grammar or anything like that because I don't really want to take away their voice. So that's just shareyourmetoostory.com. Wow. Thank you. So I will list everything in the show notes and people can just click and get to your online space. Thank you so much. And 
final question. Is there anything you would like to share? Something that you wish people knew about this topic or something you wish you knew earlier? You can't ask me that question. Expect one answer. <laughs> you have you have time. You can you can give me multiple answers. I'd say the biggest thing that oh that's a tough question. I mean that's an easy question, but it has so many answers. I'd say the biggest, most important. I'll say most important thing that I feel like this journey has shown me is to be kind to myself. When the imposter syndrome kind of starts beating its drum in the back of my head, to lean into it, yes, and recognize it for what it is. But it's imposter syndrome. That's all it is. (laughs) Also, having realistic expectations of myself. It's not realistic for me to sit down at a drum kit and master it within a year or two. It's just not possible. However, it's super important for me, and I don't know if you feel this way too, to actually be mentally challenged and stimulated. So for me, that's been drums, hands down. I also feel that it's been very important for me just, if I just want to learn about something, just go learn it. Like there's... You don't have to be in that space professionally to learn it. You can just go learn it and then go find people to talk about it. Because you never know what other people know or don't know. And we all can add something to the conversation. Oh, that's so beautiful. And thank you for saying that. I think somebody really needed to hear that. So I think that's really what you can offer to this to this community. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, don't laugh. (laughs) This is my imposter syndrome. (laughs) I know. And we're going to, yeah. So Carrie had like this fear that she couldn't offer anything. So if you're listening to this podcast and she did offer something to you, then please share on my Instagram on unleash.monday or send an email that you got something from this show and I will forward it to Carrie. <laughs> Thanks, Nadia. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here and I'm sure we're going to be in contact. And yes, this is fun. So, and I see you shortly at the conference because I'm going to come and listen to your talk. Yeah, and I'm pretty certain they're all being recorded so that people can listen to them at a later date. Yes, thank yeah. you. And Thanks. have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Bye. Oh, what a wonderful conversation. I laughed a lot, as you could hear. I hope you had a wonderful time listening. And if you're now curious of what's going on at the SANG conference, you find all the links in the show notes. And if you're listening to this episode after this week, after it's first aired, after the conference has happened, don't worry. I think you're going to find some resources on the website and some of the videos online as well. So check out their website and everything that Sang has to offer. They really do a lot. And if you like this episode, if you got something out of it, the best way to support this show is if you subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts too. So this could be Apple Podcasts. You can rate it 
First of all, subscribe to it. On the top corner, there's some dots on the show, and then you can subscribe. So that means every time a new episode is released, which is every two weeks, you will automatically get this in your library. And then if you scroll down, you can actually rate the show, and you can give me hopefully five stars. And that will help the algorithm show this show to other people so that they get an awareness of this topic and that they also can get in on the conversation. And if you leave a written review, that will even be more amazing because that will boost the algorithm even more. So that's something. If you want to support this show at this point in time, please, please, please subscribe, rate, and give me a written review. And with that said... If you want to connect, we can connect on Instagram at unleash.monday. Uh, you can also write me an email at hello at unleashmonday.com. I do answer you. It might take a few days, but I'm so excited to hear from all of you. And if you want to keep in touch and stay in the loop what's happening, there's also a newsletter sign up. I don't really send a lot of newsletters yet, but... If you sign up, you will be the first to know if something's coming. So with that said, maybe I see you at the same conference. And if not, I see you in two weeks. Have a wonderful time. Bye.